Throughout this series, we've been speaking to chiefs of staff in politics, in consulting, non-profits, even religious organisations, but one market has been noticeably absent, and that's tech. The rapid rise in the number of chiefs of staff in the private sector is in large part due to its growth within big tech companies, notably those in Silicon Valley. So who better to talk on that subject than Mark Darby? Having worked in everything from strategy to customer development to marketing, Mark brought his business acumen to the chief of staff role at Salesforce UK in 2021. He became the first chief of staff for Salesforce's biggest market outside of the US with one clear goal, successfully execute the vision for the new CEO, Zara Baralulumi. In this episode, Mark shares his experience stepping into the role for the first time, gives some advice for those considering a chief of staff role in tech, and highlights the mindset that's required to support senior leadership at one of the world's most recognisable software companies. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here because I really, really wanted someone from an iconic tech establishment in the US or the UK, someone who could come in and and shed light on a chief of staff role at a big name brand firm. For you personally, where did your journey to becoming chief of staff begin? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be at the CSA, huge fan. So I'm, yeah, really, really excited about today. Um, But, you know, my journey actually started quite a while ago, about seven years ago, to be precise. So when I first joined Salesforce back in 2015, I was hired to run a professional services consultancy. But, you know, I joined Salesforce because of its values, which were very much aligned to mine. I've always been hugely passionate about equality, and I saw an opportunity to expand our established U.S. employee resource groups into Europe. So I launched our LGBTQ network, Outforce, in Europe, and it was really the catalyst for other groups forming in the region. And because of my involvement, uh, which was beyond my day job, it gave me significant exposure to our leadership, both globally and locally. And that's where I first met our founders, our chief of staff. Um, so it was Mark Benioff, his chief of staff was Joe Polk, and I was completely blown away by him. The complexity and responsibility of his job just really caught my attention and it inspired me to look more into the role and what it was. Um, but, you know, in the UK, as you would know, I, I do feel that it's still an emerging role. So I looked at examples in other markets and kept it at the back of my mind for many years, but it just kept coming back to me almost like a calling. Um, and, you know, I spoke to mentors about it over the years. And they encouraged me to look into the role further. And, and, you know, when our UK CEO joined, I absolutely paid attention to what roles she had in her team. I was studying the org chart and I noticed that the role wasn't part of her org. So I saw that as an opportunity. And given I regularly keep in touch with our founder's former chief of staff, I told him about the idea to approach, you know, my CEO Zara. And he said, just go for it. I, you know, but to be honest with you, I hesitated slightly, mainly down to confidence, um, as I'd never done the role before. Um, But I also decided I just needed to bite the bullet. So, you know, to get it moving, I was close to to our UK COO at the time. And um, I pitched the idea to him. Um, And funnily enough, when I said that, he looked at me and said, you know, that's exactly what 
Zara is saying that she needs uh, and a role is about to go live. So I applied for the role and, uh, you know, the rest is history two years in. Fantastic. What was it then that when you saw that role, whether it was an individual or just the sort of the remit, what was it that drew you to that role and made you think, actually, that's a perfect fit for me and my skill set? Yeah, you know, it was really a number of things. I think, you know, first and foremost, it was the breadth and variety of the role that I felt suited my background. I've got experience working both client and vendor side in in various roles, be it strategic, consultative, um, implementation. So I felt like it really did complement my experience. Um, and to, to go deeper, I do see myself as a, as a strategic person who loves inventing and bringing new ideas to life. Um, but I also really do get deep satisfaction from getting things done. Um, I'm a bit bizarre like that. I absolutely love ticking things off my list, but you know, truly making what seems to be impossible possible and proving that with deep fo- focus, you know, anything can really be accomplished. Uh, and, and you know, lastly, the role is so exciting and unique because of the leader you get to work for day in, day out. Having such close exposure to someone in a leading position, and in my case, Zara, um, who's incredibly intelligent, driven, and, and ambitious, brings out the best in me personally as it makes me want to do better and improve myself. And the learnings you get from working with a leader of that caliber are really second to none. It's such a, I think it's a misunderstood element of the role. And I've had these from from every podcast I've done so far. I've had no one who sat down and not told me, I just think the leader I work to is brilliant. I just think they see everything in the right way and I'm totally happy in support of them. Yeah. So it, it feels like such a snap moment when yes. you say that on this podcast because yeah, it resonates yeah. with everyone else who's come on and said such similar things. Absolutely, yeah. I want to unpack now Salesforce as a whole because obviously when they see your title and sort of the podcast title, the reaction will be Salesforce UK, what, what does that mean? How does that work? And really your organization, you report to the CEOs for, for Salesforce's second biggest market yep. outside of the US. How do you work with your leadership team as chief of staff when you're an independent organization, but you're part of this much bigger unit? Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, I start by deeply listening and understanding my CEO's objectives and goals and how that translates to her direct reports. And I partner with her directs on many initiatives across a broad range of topics. But, you know, part of my role is to also be the eyes and ears from a, from a global perspective. So I stay up to speed as much as I can on all HQ developments. And a lot of that I actually do through Slack. I've joined so many groups, probably way too many. Uh, so, you know, that really enables me to stay close um, to, to the organization. But, you know, the other aspect is really about nurturing key relationships. And um, I really do make it, you know, make it intentional to, to have that connection with the people that I've worked with over, over the last nine years at Salesforce. Uh, and I also actually have regular syncs with with chief of staffs to some of our most senior leaders in the US. Uh, and that's a great opportunity to align and, and stay across what's going on. I'm always going to sit here and advocate for a network of chiefs of staff. Absolutely. So, it's, so yes. it's always good to hear you say the same <laughs> yeah. thing happens internally as well. I mean, unpacking that further, you're your organization in the UK, I mean, your remit will cover ops, you're covering customer success, you're covering sales. But because it's sort of focused in the US from some of the product development side, you actually have this this massive tech organization that's hugely impactful in the UK that doesn't have a product yeah. department to it. Yes, yes, yes. So how do you curate those conversations with businesses when you don't really have control over the product you're building, but you still need to position yourself effectively in the market? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, Salesforce now has a really large global presence. So although there are some centralized functions, 
like product, um, you know, HQ are very open to receiving feedback from the different markets on what needs attention and consideration. And I think, you know, this has really improved over the years as a large part of our business is now international. So it means that we, you know, we actually can't be US centric and we need to have a global mindset. So um, this really comes to life through, you know, open forums where local teams meet directly with HQ teams about the products uh, and have open dialogue um, about market-specific feedback. But also, you know, my CEO Zara and her leadership are also heavily connected. They generally meet face-to-face every quarter as well. And um, there's a deep two-way communication, which helps. That sounds like an incredibly helpful way. All of it sounds like it is just yeah. touching base and maintaining a global vision, Definitely. which for any massive organization, in particular multinational now, is the only real way to succeed. 100%. So, yeah. so it sounds like that echoes. One of the things that we've talked about before stepping into the podcast booth, but also that I've spoken about with so many chiefs of staff, is this natural ambiguity in the role. And when we had a conversation, you mentioned, yes, you'd experienced a bit of ambiguity stepping into the role as well. Despite that ambiguity, you still need to influence some of the most senior people within your organization. And you have to influence without any direct authority in play. How did you, stepping into that role for Zara, build trust with those leaders so that you could influence effectively on behalf of your CEO? Yeah, well, you know, I have to say, you know, first and foremost, trust is absolutely everything. And and truly, you know, nothing can be accomplished without trust in place. So that's always been my North Star. Um, but, you know, a benefit of me taking the role was that I had worked for Salesforce for seven years prior. Uh, so I knew how the organization worked and ran. And I was, I was also very well known in the organization at both a local and global level. However, a challenge um, that came with that is that people got to know me through a different role. And when I started asking people questions, you know, they weren't used to, it sometimes threw people off. Uh, So I really had to level set on what my new role was. And because the role was unknown and hadn't been done before, um, also isn't hugely known in the UK, it did take um, some time to sink in. But, you know, Zara was also really great in, in openly communicating my role, which really explained why I was getting involved in many things. But, you know, it takes time because actions speak louder than words. It's as simple as that. And I think, you know, my key recommendation is that you need to leave with honesty, clear communication and kindness uh, and prove that you're there to help everyone. And, you know, and a key thing, which I've also realized, is that you really do need to keep your ego in check. And, you know, we all have egos. It all exists. But, you know, it's especially important in this role um, to minimize that. You know, because when you're in such close proximity to a person in charge, uh, people can abuse that. And I've seen that happen before, but it never ends well. So, you know, our job is to take people on that journey, remove barriers, get things done and shield our principal from the noise and actually be a good person as well. It sounds like such sound advice for anyone <laughs> in or out of a chief of staff role yeah. as well. So it definitely yeah, echoes. Um, there's certainly military chiefs of staff I've spoken to in the US, UK and, and around the world who who do talk about this. The same problem of you aren't the same rank as your principal. Yeah. And, and that definitely happens in a corporate setting as well as you might have a huge degree of influence because of the title you hold, mm. but you are not the CEO yes. and you do not get to act like the CEO. So that sounds like sound advice for any sort of fletching chief of staff. Definitely. Looking back then, how, how has that relationship with the leadership team changed over time now that you've had more time in the chief of staff role? 
Yeah, we well, you know it was, I'm not going to lie. Like it, it was hard at first, but it wasn't actually just with the leadership team. It was, it was actually beyond that. It was through you know other levels in the organization. Um, but you know, staying true to what I just mentioned and leading with my values and and my intention was the, the key thing that made a huge impact. Um, and you know, I of course had to deal deal with a lot of those challenges on my own. Um, but when I needed it, which was rare. I did pull Zari in and she always backed me and made it clear that, you know, what I was doing was based on a direct request from her. Um, and that really changed everything because people, I think the penny finally dropped for people. And uh, yeah, but I think, you know, now I truly do believe that people trust me. They know I have good intentions and I'm there to help. So it's it's a much smoother journey now. It resonates with the story. I'm not going to name the person that shared it with me, but I think it'll echo with a lot of chiefs of staff listening and, and I hope with you as well, yeah. that they were coming into a particular difficulty trying to act on behalf of their principal and they were asking questions and they were coming up constantly against brick walls. Um, and the situation was resolved because their principal went and spoke to the team and said, look, if my chief of staff comes and asks you a question, it's not my chief of staff asking you a question. Yeah. It's me. Yes, It's 100%. me by proxy asking you a question. Yes. And if it was me, what would you provide as an answer? Because you provide exactly the same answer to them yeah. as you do to me. Exactly. And that empowerment, I think, is integral. Mm. Otherwise, you, you simply can't do your job. Agree. Yeah. One thing I know a lot of chiefs of staff struggle with is evidencing their value in an organization. And in a commercial setting, showing you bring value in a chief of staff role can be a real challenge. And it's hard to set tangible metrics or, or KPIs. It can leave you really vulnerable as a chief of staff, especially if things aren't going too well. How do you show as chief of staff to Salesforce CEO UK that you're having a clear commercial impact across the organization? Yeah, well, you know, I think for, for any chief of staff, first and foremost, your North Star always needs to be about adding value for your principal. And that can show up in many ways, including, you know, implementing, helping them implement their strategy, you know, driving operational performance, shielding shielding them, or even actually just making, making their life easier. Um, you know, and, and a critical factor in achieving this is by understanding what their key focus areas are, their objectives and pressure testing where you can add value. And if you do that well, it is a clear path to success but I do fundamentally believe you do need to lead with a commercial mindset. Uh, you know, and in, in our role, it can be challenging to find time and pause and reflect when so much is always going on. But you really need to push yourself to stop and think beyond tasks and what it all actually equates to. I always knew, you know, I had to, I had to do this. And about one year in, I felt I, I finally had enough sort of proof points to bring that to life. And so I did, I did some number crunching myself to show that the work, you know, I was doing with Zara was fundamentally influencing sales, growth of our business and the retention of our customers. And there was actually a direct correlation with our activities and those metrics. So by doing that, it really proved that I actually had a commercial role. And, um, and that was the game changer. And it really holds, you know, much more weight in any organization. So I think mixing those two between value, but proving through, you know, business outcomes is really powerful. And I think there'll be chiefs of staff listing in commercial organizations of any size that will be desperate to hear that. Because yeah. there's lots of people, I can tell you from experience, who just don't know how to show what they're doing and yeah. can't tie it in. And the fact that they can say, oh, no, actually, Mark can show it. Yeah. And it's, it's about value. Yeah. And it's also about 
direct correlation with commercial impact. Yeah. That can really, really prove. I think that's fantastic. In particular, how did you start? What was it you looked to first when you were trying to find those metrics? Well, I guess it. I guess it goes down. It's individual to each chief of staff. I would say, you know, for me in particular. I've got a deep focus on on customer you know engagement, the health of our customers. So for me, it was really going deeper on you know when we're having interactions with our customers, how does that drive outcomes? And outcomes generally drive you know positive and positive positive satisfaction, which can then influence you know what they buy with us, how long they stay with us. So then that's how the metrics start to come alive. So it's about you know thinking outside the square and you know trying to really craft that that story of what you're actually doing. That is hugely helpful advice, I think, because there's a lot of people listening who, <laughs> okay. who just won't have metrics yeah. to back them up, and they don't quite know how to show that they're doing actually a brilliant job. Yeah, but it's just hard to capture when so much of what you do is behind the scenes. Sure, and we've talked yeah. before about. Especially in some cases, I know I, I hate to use the analogy. Sometimes the fighting fires bit of the job, yes. it's hard to get rewarded for because if is, the fire doesn't yeah. really take place, yeah. you can't really use that as evidence that nothing bad happened. Therefore, <laughs> I did something good. But yes. saying no, I can link it to tangible commercial impact is yeah. hugely impactful. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you're always going to be you're always going to be so busy in this role, but busyness is not something that you're going to be rewarded for, right? So you've really got to just push yourself to be more strategic and commercial. Excellent. Thinking now, when you came into the role, you came in with the right intention, you you knew what the chief of staff role, in terms of the remit, encapsulated because you'd seen it run to a founder already um, and, and it showed what you wanted to be doing in that role as well. We've talked about metrics, we've talked about trust. What advice would you give to someone if they came to you and said, I want to be the next chief of staff after you? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the first thing I would say is that the person really needs to understand their driving force behind their ambition and, and what is it truly about the role that interests them. And I think, you know, the next step is to think about what skills you need to hone in on to ensure that you can prove value in the role. And, you know, it can take time to get into this role. So position yourself um, to, to complement the role of a chief of staff. And, if you know, if you're in a... In, a, in an existing organization and you're looking for that step up, you know, look for opportunities to elevate your brand, you know, take on bigger stretch projects and make yourself known to the leadership. So when you do go to apply for such a role, they already know who you are. And that's, that's a really powerful aspect. That sounds really sound advice. On top of, <laughs> on top of things like trust, on top of things like understanding for the sure. deliverables. Yeah. Um, I alluded to in my question that you came in with the right intention. And obviously by that, I mean someone who came in wanting to support the vision of the leader, had the skill set to match. It just felt like a great fit for you. What do you think for those listening might be the wrong intention to step into a chief of staff role? Well, I would say if, if it's just to be close to someone in a position of power or influence and and to really just quickly accelerate your career, like that's really not the right intention because like I was saying earlier, you've really got to approach this role with minimal ego and you need to prove deep value to such a, a successful person. So, you know, whilst it might seem exciting, which it is, um, you absolutely need to ensure that you've got the right skill set and the right mindset going into into that. And, you know, great things come about, but you can't just go straight in thinking that it's going to just catapult your career in a great way without doing the hard work. Thank you. 
I think that's good advice for anyone stepping into the role. And I think it's it's like all career paths, it is totally okay to sit down with someone and say, look, this role might look exciting or you might find some of the romantic elements or exciting elements of it really enticing, but actually this probably isn't the best fit for you. And it's, it's good to give that advice to people before they make the move into the role because I can see lots of people come in and love the chief of staff role, but there are also lots of people who go in and think this will be a short stepping stone in my career to get to X or Y level within yeah. the organization. And actually what they do is burn out and suffer and don't do a great job of it because they're, they're really not getting the most out of it. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yes. Moving into my last few questions that I've been asking everyone. Mm-hmm. First, what does the future look like for Salesforce in the UK and also around the world? You know, with the current innovations around you know generative AI, I've never been more excited to be in tech. You know, it's moved so fast and there's so much innovation going on right now. Uh, I just think there's going to be so much, you know, uh, development across all industries in the coming years. And I believe AI will also fundamentally change us as humans. So I think it's, you know, truly exciting to be in a company that's, you know, a leading voice in AI. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what comes of it. It is exciting for everyone. And I would would have found it hilarious if you just sat down as someone who works for a Silicon Valley based big (laughs) tech firm and didn't say AI was the most exciting thing that was coming and affecting you so um, thank you for sharing I'm sure there's lots of people going yeah no I thought that would be the thing you'd go for so excellent Um, to you personally then my favourite question to ask everyone on all of these podcasts has been if you could be a chief of staff to anyone else who would you be a chief of staff to? You know it's interesting for all of my career I've always been thinking about the next move, um, the future, uh, you know, what I could be doing. But I think, you know, I've actually decided to, to stay in the present moment and be grateful for the position I have right now. Um, and I truly love working for Zara, my leader. Uh, and that's really because, you know, I feel like I found someone who's got a shared value um, values to me. You know, the, the role itself is hard work and it operates at a pace, you know, you can't imagine. But I feel I finally have met someone who really does reflect the the, the core things that I value. Um, And, you know, Zara is incredibly hardworking, passionate, um, but also has this relentless energy, which is just so inspiring. And, um, and, you know, she's also kind, empathetic and fair, which really tops it off. Uh, And because of her ambition, I'm really excited about what's to come, but also, you know, what, what we can achieve together. I think that's a very nice answer. I've not put it on anyone um, to say anything in particular. I always think it's fun to see where people get drawn to with that. Um, And interestingly, resonates with a few other people I've spoken to who say there isn't necessarily someone I can point to. Yeah. But there is a there is a type of leader. Yes. Like there is someone who embodies the kind of values that I want, the kind of ambitions that align with mine. And actually, that's what I'm after. I don't really mind where I do it or who I do it to. I'm just doing it to someone who is clearly with the same North Star as me. Absolutely. You know, and that is so key because you, you're working with this person day in, day out. And it's really that relationship and rapport which defines your success. So you need to find someone who really is quite similar to, you know, to, the, to the values you truly hold. And as a short follow-up to, to that in particular, what was it about Zara when you sort of first saw her as leader, when she was brought in as CEO that made you go, oh, actually, I reckon she could be the person I could chief of staff to? Yeah, do you know, because she, she joined in the pandemic, so I didn't even actually see her physically. It was just all through, you know, all hands calls on, on Zoom. And 
but what she what I could see straight away is just her amazing personality shining through like you can just tell she is a kind and fun person you know incredibly incredibly smart um super strategic like that's a given right she's a ceo but she just has such a personable side to her and I'm, i thought to myself you know that is someone who you know is real and someone who's authentic and you know ultimately would be a great person to partner with to any CEOs, principals, others looking to hire a chief of staff listening, find yourself a chief of staff who talks about you the way Mark talks about Sarah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on. It's been great to unpack your role, how it works, the impact it has within Salesforce, and, and share some insights which are helpful to demystify the chief yeah. of staff role and what you do, but also for chiefs of staff listening, hearing someone at such a name brand organization talk about the practical things that they struggle with which yeah. are very very similar to your small startups and scale-ups who are struggling with measuring impact or building trust or removing some of the ambiguity so yeah. thank you so much for coming on i hope we can have you on again at some point in the future yeah i would love to thanks for having me this podcast was brought to you by the chief of staff association the global professional body for chiefs of staff in corporations not-for-profits government and the military Applications to join our latest cohort of members are now open. Membership provides you access to our world-leading Chief of Staff Core Competency Program, career-defining mentorship, and the opportunity to join our executive education programs at the University of Oxford and Harvard Business School. To learn more, go to www.csa.org. This podcast was hosted by Ewan Godbold with music composed by Ed Cooper.